Part four, chapter five of Under Western Eyes by Joseph Conrad. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part four, chapter five. It was nearly a fortnight after her mother's funeral that I saw Natalia Halden for the last time. In those silent, sombre days, the doors of the appartement on the Boulevard de Philosophes were closed to everyone but myself. I believe I was of some use, if only in this that i alone was aware of the incredible part of the situation miss holden nursed her mother alone to the last moment if razumov's visit had anything to do with mrs holden's end and i cannot help thinking that it hastened it considerably it is because the man trusted impulsively by the ill-fated victor holden had failed to gain the confidence of victor holden's mother what tale precisely he told her cannot be known at any rate i do not know it but to me she seemed to die from the shock of an ultimate disappointment born in silence she had not believed him perhaps she could not longer believe any one and consequently had nothing to say to any one not even to her daughter i suspect that miss holden lived the heaviest hours of her life by that silent deathbed i confess i was angry with the broken-hearted old woman passing away in the obstinacy of her mute distrust of her daughter when it was all over i stood aside Miss Holden had her compatriots round her then. A great number of them attended the funeral. I was there too, but afterwards managed to keep away from Miss Holden till I received a short note rewarding my self-denial. It is as you would have it. I am going back to Russia at once. My mind is made up. Come and see me. Verily, it was a reward of discretion. I went without delay to receive it. The appartement of the Boulevard de Philosophes presented the dreary signs of impending abandonment it looked desolate and as if already empty to my eyes standing we exchanged a few words about her health mine remarks as to some people of the russian colony and then natalia halden establishing me on the sofa began to talk openly of her future work of her plans it was all to be as i had wished it and it was to be for life we should never see each other again never i gathered this success to my breast natalia holden looked matured by her open and secret experiences with her arms folded she walked up and down the whole length of the room talking slowly smooth-browed with a resolute profile she gave me a new view of herself and i marvelled at that something grave and measured in her voice in her movements in her manner it was the perfection of collected independence the strength of her nature had come to surface because the obscure depths had been stirred we two can talk of it now she observed after a silence and stopping short before me have you been to inquire at the hospital lately yes i have and as she looked at me fixedly he will live the doctors say but i thought that tekla tekla has not been near me for several days explained miss holden quickly as i never offered to go to the hospital with her she thinks that i have no heart she is disillusioned about me and miss holden smiled faintly yes she sits with him as long and as often as they will let her i said she says she must never abandon him never as long as she lives he'll need somebody a hopeless cripple and stone deaf with that stone deaf i didn't know murmured natalia halden he is it seems strange i am told there were no apparent injuries to the head they say too that it is not very likely that he will live so very long for tekla to take care of him miss halden shook her head while there are travellers ready to fall by the way our tekla shall never be idle 
she is a good samaritan by an irresistible vocation the revolutionists didn't understand her fancy a devoted creature like that being employed to carry about documents sewn in her dress or made to write from dictation there is not much perspicacity in the world no sooner uttered i regretted that observation natalia holden looking me straight in the face assented by a slight movement of her head she was not offended but turning away began to pace the room again to my western eyes she seemed to be getting farther and farther from me quite beyond my reach now but undiminished in the increasing distance i remained silent as though it were hopeless to raise my voice the sound of hers so close to me made me start a little tekla saw him picked up after the accident the good soul never explained to me really how it came about she affirms that there was some understanding between them some sort of compact that in any sore need in misfortune or difficulty or pain he was to come to her was there i said it is lucky for him that there was then he'll need all the devotion of the good samaritan it was a fact that tekla looking out of her window at five in the morning for some reason or other had beheld razumov in the grounds of the chateau borel standing stock still bareheaded in the rain at the foot of the terrace she had screamed out to him by name to know what was the matter he never even raised his head by the time she had dressed herself sufficiently to run downstairs he was gone she started in pursuit and rushing out into the road came almost directly upon the arrested tramcar and the small knot of people picking up razumov that much tekla had told me herself one afternoon we happened to meet at the door of the hospital and without any kind of comment but i did not want to meditate very long on the inwardness of this peculiar episode yes natalia victorovna he shall need somebody when they dismiss him on crutches and stone deaf from the hospital but i do not think that when he rushed like an escaped madman into the grounds of the chateau borel it was to seek the help of that good tekla no said natalia stopping short before me perhaps not she sat down and leaned her head on her hand thoughtfully the silence lasted for several minutes during that time i remembered the evening of his atrocious confession the plaint she seemed to have hardly enough left in her to utter it is impossible to be more unhappy the recollection would have given me a shudder if i had not been lost in wonder at her force and her tranquillity there was no longer any natalia halden because she had completely ceased to think of herself it was a great victory a characteristically russian exploit in self-suppression she recalled me to myself by getting up suddenly like a person who has come to a decision she walked to the writing-table now stripped of all the small objects associated with her by daily use a mere piece of dead furniture but it contained something living still since she took from a recess a flat parcel which she brought to me it's a book she said rather abruptly it was sent to me wrapped up in my veil i told you nothing at the time but now i've decided to leave it with you i have the right to do that it was sent to me it is mine you may preserve it or destroy it after you have read it and while you read it please remember that i was defenceless and that he defenceless i repeated surprised looking hard at her you'll find the very word written there she whispered well it's true i was defenceless but perhaps you were able to see that for yourself her face colored then went deadly pale in justice to the man i want you to remember that i was oh i was i was i rose a little shakily i am not likely to forget anything you say at this our last parting her hand fell into mine it's difficult to believe that it must be good-bye with us 
she returned my pressure and our hands separated yes i am leaving here to-morrow my eyes are open at last and my hands are free now as for the rest which of us can fail to hear the stifled cry of our great distress it may be nothing to the world the world is more conscious of your discordant voices i said it is the way of the world yes she bowed her head in assent and hesitated for a moment i must own to you that i shall never give up looking forward to the day when all discord shall be silenced try to imagine its dawn the tempest of blows and of execrations is over all is still the new sun is rising and the weary men united at last taking count in their conscience of the ended contest feel saddened by their victory because so many ideas have perished for the triumph of one so many beliefs have abandoned them without support they feel alone on the earth and gather close together yes there must be many bitter hours but at last the anguish of heart shall be extinguished in love and on this last word of her wisdom a word so sweet so bitter so cruel sometimes i said good-bye to natalia halden it is hard to think i shall never look any more into the trustful eyes of that girl wedded to an invincible belief in the advent of loving concord springing like a heavenly flower from the soil of men's earth soaked in blood torn by struggles watered with tears it must be understood that at that time i didn't know anything of mr razumov's confession to the assembled revolutionists natalia holden might have guessed what was the one thing more which remained for him to do but this my western eyes had failed to see tekla the ex-lady companion of madame de s haunted his bedside at the hospital we met once or twice at the door of that establishment but on these occasions she was not communicative she gave me news of mr razumov as concisely as possible he was making a slow recovery but would remain a hopeless cripple all his life personally i never went near him i never saw him again after the awful evening when i stood by a watchful but ignored spectator of his scene with miss holden he was in due course discharged from the hospital and his relative so i was told had carried him off somewhere my information was completed nearly two years later the opportunity certainly was not of my seeking it was quite accidentally that i met a much trusted woman revolutionist at the house of a distinguished russian gentleman of liberal convictions who came to live in geneva for a time he was a quite different sort of celebrity from peter ivanovitch a dark-haired man with kind eyes high-shouldered courteous and with something hushed and circumspect in his manner he approached me choosing the moment when there was no one near followed by a grey-haired alert lady in a crimson blouse our sophia antonovna wishes to be made known to you he addressed me in his guarded voice and so i leave you two to have a talk together i would never have intruded myself upon your notice the grey-haired lady began at once if i had not been charged with a message for you it was a message of a few friendly words from natalia halden sophia antonovna had just returned from a secret excursion into russia and had seen miss halden she lived in a town in the centre sharing her compassionate labours between the horrors of overcrowded jails and the heart-rending misery of bereaved homes she did not spare herself in good service sophia antonovna assured me she has a faithful soul an undaunted spirit and an indefatigable body the woman revolutionist summed it all up with a touch of enthusiasm a conversation thus engaged was not likely to drop from want of interest on my side we went to sit apart in a corner where no one interrupted us 
in the course of our talk about miss haldin sophia antonovna remarked suddenly i suppose you remember seeing me before that evening when natalia came to ask peter ivanovitch for the address of a certain razumov that young man who i remember perfectly i said when sophia antonovna learned that i had in my possession that young man's journal given me by miss haldin she became intensely interested she did not conceal her curiosity to see the document i offered to show it to her and she at once volunteered to call on me next day for that purpose she turned over the pages greedily for an hour or more and then handed me the book with a faint sigh while moving about russia she had seen razumov too he lived not in the centre but in the south she described to me a little two-roomed wooden house in the suburb of some very small town hiding within the high plank fence of a yard overgrown with nettles he was crippled ill getting weaker every day and tekla the samaritan tended him unweariedly with the pure joy of unselfish devotion there was nothing in that task to become disillusioned about i did not hide from sophia antonovna my surprise that she should have visited mr razumov i did not even understand the motive but she informed me that she was not the only one some of us always go to see him when passing through he is intelligent he has ideas he talks well too presently i heard for the first time of razumov's public confession in laspara's house sophia antonovna gave me a detailed relation of what had occurred there razumov himself had told her all about it most minutely then looking hard at me with her brilliant black eyes there are evil moments in every life a false suggestion enters one's brain and then fear is born fear of oneself fear for oneself or else a false courage who knows well call it what you like but tell me how many of them would deliver themselves up deliberately to perdition as he himself says in that book rather than go on living secretly debased in their own eyes how many and please mark this he was safe when he did it it was just when he believed himself safe and more infinitely more when the possibility of being loved by that admirable girl first dawned upon him that he discovered that his bitterest railings the worst wickedness the devil work of his hate and pride could never cover up the ignominy of the existence before him there's character in such a discovery i accepted her conclusion in silence who would care to question the grounds of forgiveness or compassion however it appeared later on that there was some compunction too in the charity extended by the revolutionary world to razumov the betrayer sophia antonovna continued uneasily and then you know he was the victim of an outrage it was not authorized nothing was decided as to what was to be done with him he had confessed voluntarily and that nikita who burst the drums of his ears purposely out on the landing you know as if carried away by indignation well he has turned out to be a scoundrel of the worst kind a traitor himself a betrayer a spy razumov told me he had charged him with it by a sort of inspiration i had a glimpse of that brute i said how any of you could have been deceived for half a day passes my comprehension she interrupted me there there don't talk of it the first time i saw him i too was appalled they cried me down we were always telling each other oh you mustn't mind his appearance and then he was always ready to kill there was no doubt of it he killed yes in both camps the fiend then sophia antonovna after mastering the angry trembling of her lips told me a very queer tale it went that councillor mikulin travelling in germany shortly after razumov's disappearance from geneva 
happened to meet peter ivanovitch in a railway carriage being alone in the compartment these two talked together half the night and it was then that mikulin the police chief gave a hint to the arch-revolutionist as to the true character of the arch-slayer of gendarmes it looks as though mikulin had wanted to get rid of that particular agent of his own he might have grown tired of him or frightened of him it must also be said that mikulin had inherited the sinister nikita from his predecessor in office and this story too i received without comment in my character of a mute witness of things russian unrolling their eastern logic under my western eyes but i permitted myself a question tell me please sophia antonovna did madame de s leave all her fortune to peter ivanovitch not a bit of it the woman revolutionist shrugged her shoulders in disgust she died without making a will a lot of nephews and nieces came down from st petersburg like a flock of vultures and fought for her money amongst themselves all beastly kammerherrs and maids of honour abominable court flunkies phooey one does not hear much of peter ivanovitch now i remarked after a pause peter ivanovitch said sophia antonovna gravely has united himself to a peasant girl i was truly astonished what on the riviera what nonsense of course not sophia antonovna's tone was slightly tart is he then living actually in russia it's a tremendous risk isn't it i cried and all for the sake of a peasant girl don't you think it's very wrong of him sophia antonovna preserved a mysterious silence for a while then made a statement he just simply adores her does he well then i hope that she won't hesitate to beat him sophia antonovna got up and wished me good-bye as though she had not heard a word of my impious hope but in the very doorway where i attended her she turned round for an instant and declared in a firm voice peter ivanovitch is an inspired man end of part four chapter five recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of under western eyes by joseph conrad